The Ravens, 1-0. and oh. And everything else is bad. This week on Pod Like a Raven. So the challenge this week is going to try to not get too bogged down in the negatives, find some positives, remember that it's a long season, that it's early September, and that the games don't even matter until December, but it's going to be a challenge. Uh, I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by one co-host this week, and that is Tim Horsey. Tim, uh, I said pregame that we're gonna. Uh, I, I was gonna try to stay positive, try to find some silver linings, not get too depressed. You didn't seem so game, and I certainly understand why. Uh, it's a it's a sad one and zero for for Ravens Ravens land this week. Yeah, good luck. Enjoy yourself. I will not be joining you on the positivity train. Um, probably the most depressing win. Uh, the fact that it comes in week one as well, when all hope springs eternal and you're like excited for all these new options and all the things we've been talking about all off season, you can finally see it come together. And, um, not only are the Ravens going to be without some very, very important players for a very long time, they just overall didn't look very good. And it against, I don't know, 27 other teams in the national football league, 28, they lose this game, I think, or it's an absolute sweat till the very, very end. So yeah, you, I look valiant effort. You can try, you can, you can, you can do your damn best to try and uh, improve my mood over this next hour, hour and a half. But spoiler alert, my friend, I do not see it coming. I want to mention quickly, Jay sevens, not with us this week, uh, traveling, hanging, hanging out with his family, going to concerts. Um, it's fine. Jace, your second family will, will be here for you next week, but I, I'm fairly certain Jace wasn't even able to watch the Ravens game live. I know he wasn't. Let me cut in. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, good for him, and I know he wasn't because in the famous text group, which will now come up about at least three times a show uh, as we are in the regular season, Antonio and I are furious, just back and forth texting what is going on. This is ridiculous. And Jace, if you listen to this program, you know, I like – Positive Antonio, negative Nancy Tim. The world is ending, Jace Evans. Like, the, the lowest of the low when it comes to negativity is, I can't watch right now, but based on updates, quote, we're fine. And I was like, Jace, you have no idea what's going on. I need you to retreat back into your Billy Joel concert or whatever, whatever you were doing um, because nothing is fine. Nothing is fine. We are not the dog in the meme in the house on fire. It, it, that We are less than that right now. But, yeah, I guess let's just get into it. So, Ravens, they do win a football game. They do win. They win at home. We knew. We knew, Tim. We said it all off season. We said it in the preview. The offense was going to look rusty. The team was going to be shaky. Lamar was going to make mistakes. The new offensive system wasn't just going to be fully operational at the start. And boy, was it not. Uh, we do have to say the final score was 26-9. to The Ravens win comfortably. The Ravens cover. Uh, last week, I said the offense is going to start slow. There's going to be field goals where we want touchdowns. And then you're going to look at the scoreboard in the middle of the third quarter and say, they're up by 15? When did this happen? Five minutes left in the third quarter, Justice Hill gets his second short touchdown, and the Ravens were leading by 16 points. 
it went exactly as it was, as we sort of expected it to. The problem is it was Justice Hill getting his second touchdown of the game and not J.K. Dobbins because at that point in the third quarter, the Ravens are already down several starters, including J.K. Dobbins, who is now confirmed out for the season um, with the torn ACL. You already had Humphrey not playing in this game. You had Mark Andrews, a surprise scratch just because he practiced all week, seemed to be on the way to playing. Uh, I think they probably looked at this game and said, it's the Texans, we'll be fine, let's let's get him as healthy as possible. But his absence is what I want to use as the kicking off point for, for this offense when I come back to you, Tim, because the offense looked bad for just about the entire first half uh, and even stretches of the second half. Out of sync, the no rhythm, there's no security valve over the middle of the field, which is what Mark Andrews is for Lamar Jackson every game, every drive. The running game looked bad over long portions of this game. The pass protection was bad. So much bad, Tim. Where do we even start offensively? Um, and John Harbaugh on Monday has acknowledged this first point that I think we, we've almost gone full circle now. You have to play guys in preseason. You got to play them for a drive. You got to play them for a quarter. Um, and, and maybe... We come back here uh, after the second week and we're like, oh, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it because, you know, the Ravens have kind of worked out the kinks and you just got to suffer through that first opening day. Maybe. As we sit right now in in, in present time, that is simply not the case. There was just so much rust and, and people on different pages, it seemed like. There was no continuity anywhere for me and it looked like a bunch of guys who hadn't played football together. Since, I don't know, whenever Lamar got hurt against Denver, what, November of last year, maybe even late October, I can't even remember when that game was. It looked like a team that is not played together in a live game setting. Um, and so I think, you know, John Harbaugh said he's going to reconsider it, you know, even kind of throwing it away, mentioning that the league and the Players Association knows that there needs to be a change to preseason, whatever, whatever that means. Play in the damn preseason. Like, I think it's worse, and again, this could all be hindsight, it's worse risking injury when you're going from zero to a hundred, right? You're going from no game speed to a hundred percent game speed, regular season game. Why not work yourself up to whatever it is? Preseason's always a little bit slower. They always mention that. So 75% game speed to a hundred, that's going to help you probably prevent injury. And yes, a preseason injury is debilitating JK Dobbins. We've, we've seen that before, but the fact that they're ice, ice, ice cold going into a game like this against the team, CJ Stroud and starters have been playing. It's a health risk. And, you know, I, we don't have to go too much into the injuries quite yet because I know you want to get to that later. But I think from that and a, just a continuity standpoint on the offensive side of the football is something that needs to be addressed. Um, with that, too, I mean... I don't know if it's just a new offense, but Lamar Jackson looked like he did not have a grasp of anything. Everything was herky-jerky. Holy crap, what do I do? I know Mo no Mark Andrews, fine, but it shouldn't look that bad. Um, you know, they, they, they mentioned once, and I know you want to expand on this a little bit later, but, you know, that he has more control to, like, audible in this offense if he wants, and maybe there was a reason he didn't do that before. And then finally, I have to end, the offensive line, even with Stanley and Linderbaum in, were horrendous. We've mentioned in the in past uh, 
iterations of Podlick Raven and past seasons of the offensive line maybe being the Achilles heel that prevents that team from being a like a Super Bowl type competitor. I didn't think that that was going to be an issue this year. I thought we all thought, all right, John Simpson got the left guard job, like, you know, probably the weak point, but look at the rest of the line. Linderbaum is great. Stanley's great. Uh, Kevin Zeitler's great. Morgan Moses is serviceable as a right tackle. There was depth there with what we saw from Falele and Patrick McCarry, um, Falele in preseason. And it all fell apart. I mean, Will Anderson, top pick, great, but that guy was a rookie that, that looked like TJ Watt out there playing against uh, Morgan Moses most of the time. So, yeah, I'm I'm fine with yeah. Well, they need to kick up and they need to knock off the rust a little bit. Yeah, it's a new offense. They'll learn the pieces, what have you. But none of it's gonna work if the offensive line can't hold up. And to to go against that Texans team and look like that makes me very very nervous for you know the rest of the schedule against tougher opponents. I'm gonna push back a little bit on the preseason stuff generally. Uh, I think it's okay to do your get your kinks out in a regular season game with it being 17 games, with it being such a long season. The exception here is that it's a new offense. So that this, I mean, right. they've looked bad early in games to start years. This was miles worse than they have looked at the start of, of other seasons. So that's where I would maybe turn it a little bit. That this offseason in particular with a new offensive coordinator and a new system and new, and new responsibilities weapons. for Jackson and new per- personnel, yeah, that they could have done it a little bit. But th- we would have been losing our minds if a starter had gotten hurt in a preseason yeah. game sure. uh, leading up sure. to this. So I still value look horrible for the first half of a game uh, in the regular season than even the potential for injury, but goodness. Yeah, the offensive line, a disaster, but I think I, I'm again going to also put that to the first half and everybody looking like a disaster offensively. By the second half, the offense, significantly better. They put two touchdown drives in their first two drives of the second half. They have a fumble on their third drive where they had gotten a first down, they'd gotten a third down conversion, Odell Beckham Jr. with his first catch. It seems like they were rolling again. And then Lamar just kind of throws the ball forward in front of him. So let's turn to him now because you touched on him a little bit there, Tim. Mm-hmm. Uh, erratic, out of sorts. Some nice touch on a few passes. Uh, I'm not, Barely deep balls, maybe intermediate throws. Some nice touch. Um, clearly missing his security blanket. His audibles were a disaster. I think he did it three times in the game that it visibly he was, you know, making a, some sort of check or some sort of audible at the line where the formation had to change. They were a disaster every time. I think they had a, a net gain of zero yards, potentially negative. From my memory, two of them went for zero yards and one of them went for negative yards. The team wasn't ready to adjust the formation quickly enough as the play clock was dwindling as he was doing this. They showed Todd Munkin in the coach's little booth shaking his head visibly after one of these changes where he was very clearly disappointed in the check that he had gone to. I'm not concerned yet, Tim, because it's one game. It's week one. Let's, you know, again, it is week one. It's been one game. Things are going to change. Things are going to adjust. We, You want to see... You know, mistakes early, you want to see things improve because it's not going to be perfect in week one with all these changes, but 
how concerned, Tim, uh, week one, on a scale, you know, one to ten, or one of my famous, like, uh, flipping the chair or s- seated in the chair right. after one game of this, when is this going to disappear, when is this going to lead to a turnover, a decision where he's doing this in the fourth quarter of a game, and we're screaming, just run, run the play, run the play, uh, where are you on, uh, sitting to flipping the chair? Um, it's funny, the, the audible stuff, I'm... I'm crouched over like I'm, I'm up off the chair, but I'm not willing to grab it yet. And, 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 you know, make a WWE type move. Um, you know, I, I kind of, but, but I'm noting it for, for future episodes. We'll put it that way. What I'm more concerned about with Lamar Jackson and especially in a system that is, you know, we've seen it is going to throw more, is going to give him more license to to make decisions more and, and be a more vocal part of the offense and kind of, you know, call the stuff that he wants to call, is the decision-making in terms of ball security. Um, I, you know, there's, there's every sort of Lamar Jackson debate that you can have, and many people have, and the whole contract back in the day, whatever. And is he a, is he a good like is he in that upper echelon of elite elite quarterbacks what have you you can have your opinion either way um, on that and I, I don't disagree like it, there's there's arguments on it on all sides. The number one problem for me is just the dumb boneheaded interception. It has not gone away. He had another one in this game. It's a ball that he doesn't have to throw. He's clearly the Texans. Texans players after the game even mentioned it. Like he's clearly trying to stay in the pocket more. Like he, to the point where there's sometimes where he just simply shouldn't, or there is no pocket to stay in, and he's trying to force it and try and become this quote unquote passer. Um, but what we saw in that interception is the thing that I think is going to, if the Ravens are you know this contender that we want them to be. I don't even know if I think that anymore. But if we want them to be that, um, he's got to cut those out. And I just don't, based on all of the evidence, I'm not ready to sit here and say, oh, no, but but he'll overcome that. He's still a young player. Like, dude's on the second contract now. We've talked about that. What what pressure comes with that uh, as as the, you know, the face of the team and the Brinks truck, Brinks truck excuse me, is backed up to you because of it. There is an added level of pressure on Lamar Jackson now to not just be this guy of is he worth the contract? Because the contract's there. You, you have shown you're worth it, but now you have to prove it again and again and again. Uh, and I think we talked about this a little bit last week. And, man, to see that again was probably the second most disheartening thing of the entire game for me outside of, obviously, all the all the injuries. I think, was it Jace last week that mentioned the frustration of seeing him make dumb interception? It might have been you. I forget which of the I two think of it, you it was. I think it was Jace, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, so he has the first drive and he ends up getting sacked on third down and then it's the second drive and they have a short field after the Texans turn the ball over on downs and you can just see him trying too hard. It just, it's like visible that he's trying too hard and trying to make plays when they're not there and just, you're in the red zone points, man. It's free points. The Texans, in my opinion, made a ridiculous decision to go for it on fourth. I think it was fourth and one, fourth and two uh, on their own side of the field. They just gave you points. Take them. Take them and say thank you. And it's just clear he doesn't want to get sacked again. 
and he throws like a three-yard pass. It's third and six in the red zone, and it's a three-yard pass, and it's going nowhere. It's not going to be a first down, even if he catches it. And it's that play that you're absolutely right. He has not eliminated... I, again, we're trying to push, trying to push some positivity, trying to push some optimism. He's going to be rusty, considering he hasn't played in almost a year, in 10 months, whatever it is. That's the rust kind of play. I, I want to see what happens now, game two. That's basically, like, this is where I'm drawing the line, is after one game to start a new season. It's going to happen again. <laughs> I'm pretty I'm gonna confident. That's, that's we're going to see thing. it again. I disagree that it's a rust thing, because this is just part of... I think it is part of, and I don't want to accept it, but you almost kind of have to, this is part of his game. It, it is not going away. It is not like a, you know, we're not in the Josh Allen phase where all of a sudden he was accurate and now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. We're past that stage with Lamar Jackson. Sure, can he add tools to his repertoire and, and become a more experienced quarterback and maybe a, a more savvy quarterback as he goes through the years here? I absolutely think he can, but but there is no evidence to prove that one of the parts of that growing maturity or whatever it is as he's in the league for, for longer is is the dumb penalty. He almost always has one. He has one in almost every single game, and if he doesn't clean it up, it could be really, really debilitating to this Ravens team. I want to talk about some of the other players uh, around him offensively. Obviously, J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. Uh, in the first half of this game, um, I believe, I'm pretty sure it was the first half. And then he, it's it's like it's much more Justice Hill than I thought we were gonna get. I, I kind of assume at that point it's just Gus Bus into the ground. They have even carries by the end of this game. I can tell you right now, I'm gonna hate seeing Melvin Gordon getting double digit carries a game by late September. That's gonna be very annoying to me. Um, for the wide receivers, Zay Flowers looked pretty good i would say for his first game he looked different from any other wide receiver that the ravens have ever drafted making guys miss i could use one less screen to him maybe two fewer screens thrown to him uh per game they just kind of did that i think four times uh by the end of this game but he looked really good uh beckham looked smooth when targeted rashad bateman again it's one game Kind of looked like the odd man out in terms of targets and just plays where they were designed to go to him. Uh, had a few nice catches and then didn't really see a lot more of him. Um, what else, Tim? What did you like from the Ravens offensively? What did you see from the from the skill position players? And how many shots do we need to pour out uh, for J.K. Dobbins? Uh, I mean, a lot. Let's start there. I, I you know, we've we've kind of raked him over the coals a bit uh, on this show about like him thinking that he is this guy that he isn't and whatever and prove it to me but i i just feel so so bad for the guy um this kind of seemed like the best case scenario i think looking like in hindsight it's even worse because clearly there's something up with gus edwards and todd munkin whether it's a system thing whether it's a doghouse thing like he wants a more dynamic running back quote unquote which you know agree or disagree i disagree gus edwards is a walking five-yard gain but whatever you know it's it's his system what have you jk would have thrived in that role and i think that the fact that he's not going to be there you know an achilles after you know what is it two years ago the the acl mcl injury it's it's just devastating i i 
the way running backs are treated now, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's it. Like that's the career for J.K. Dobbins, which would be one of the all-time Ravens what ifs. Um, you know, and it just it just really really sucks. I, I, even outside of like the Ravens, just for a guy that was looking at a payday here. Like he was absolutely looking at a payday if he had a solid year, you know, relative to running backs, I guess nowadays, but you know, it's, it's going to hurt the the team, but I feel worse for, for Dobbins, obviously Uh, outside. I mean, other weapons. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to look, I'm looking at this list of players, right. And I'm like, I could bring up a different point. I could bring up something that maybe Antonio hasn't mentioned yet, or I could bring up something like, you know, something another angle we haven't covered. But I'm just going to gush about Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers might be one of the best receivers the Ravens have ever had, and he's only played in one regular season game. Too many screens, too many back-to-back screens. <laughs> but the man, I mean, which is just absolutely ridiculous. But the man in space is a problem. And you can tell that defenders fear him already. There was a man in Miami, or I should say L.A., but it was basically a Miami home game, who was tearing up another defense that we'll get to later in this show. And Zay kind of has that feeling to me. Not the not the turn and burn Tyree kill, like all the way down the, you know, deep bombs down the field all the time, but just the get the ball in this guy's hands and watch the defense cower. I'm in love with Zay Flowers openly. It's I think he's just he brings a new dynamic to this offense that I think is gonna be something something special. He becomes also, you know, you talked about security blankets, kind of another security blanket. For Lamar Jackson, they clearly already have some sort of um, rapport as well. And, you know, nine catches for 78 yards. Nobody else had more than three, that being Rashad Bateman, as you mentioned. It's fun, man. It's a piece of this offense that we haven't had in a very long time. You know, we've tried with the likes of a Devin DuVarnay, and, and, and God bless him, but he's not he is not Zay Flowers on a talent level. Um, and I think that is the guy... By the end, by the end of the season, I mean hell. Even by maybe by week two, that's the one that defensive coordinators Lou Anarumo next week for Cincinnati is going to be like, stop Zay Flowers. He already has that reputation, I think. And man, it was it was fun. It was fun to watch on a dour day. Otherwise, Zay Flowers jersey watch. Ooh, me and receivers. I don't know. I don't know. It, I, I'm getting more warmed up to the zero. We'll talk about that in a minute because if. If it was any number but zero, the purchase would have already been made for a certain defensive player. Uh, but but maybe, maybe, maybe Zay Flowers uh, watch. We have Stay tuned. We'll say that. Stay tuned. Uh, I want to add one thing to Dobbins. And this is kind of, uh, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm wildly off with this. But the only scenario where J.K. Dobbins was returning to the Ravens, in my opinion, is this exact scenario. I think if we get to a year from now and he's quote-unquote healthy, you know, ready to go, and no team has signed him, I could kind of see the Ravens giving him a very cheap one-year deal and saying, let's run it back, let's try this again, the money's cheap, Uh, you're running back so there's not a lot of demand, and may this be your season. And they do the same exact thing that they were a year ago, today, basically, which was... Uh, a prove-it year for a talented but injury-prone running back. We'll see. That is 11 and a half months from now to, to figure out, unfortunately. But um, 
would like to see it. Wouldn't even hate having him here if the money made sense for the Ravens to try to try this again. I'd rather have him than a Melvin Gordon next year, to, to be honest, as like a third back on the team. Um, but we will see. Uh, all right, so we got a little bit, a little bit of buzz from Tim on Zay Flowers. Let's keep going. Let's turn defensive because that's always gonna, that's always gonna help Tim. Um, defensively, a slightly different story. Uh, Roquan Smith is ve- is a very good football player. Patrick Queen had a very good football game. David Ojabo season? Uh, I think so. Even Clowney, in my opinion, was in the backfield all game. Did he miss a sack? Absolutely. But in the backfield all game, which is what you want from your third pass rusher. Um, maybe I'll let Tim talk about Odafe Owe. But some nice stuff. Let me put it this way. The Texans are a bad football team. They had a rookie quarterback making his first start, and that is exactly what they looked like offensively by the end of the game. The Ravens made them look exactly like a bad football team with a rookie quarterback making his first start. Five sacks, fumble forced, secondary played relatively well, zero touchdowns given up all game, um, and mistakes uh, from, from the Texans' offense all game. Tim, what did you think of the Ravens defensively? I mean, we should mention on this side of the ball, Marcus Williams tearing his pec. Going to be out for a while. They're debating surgery. It doesn't. It's not season-ending, but an, another injury for a guy who I thought was playing well up until that point. Which is just and a guy who doesn't get hurt. I think when he signed, one of my biggest points was, look at how few games he's missed. What a perfect five, signing for this team. Yeah, he's missed five games in five seasons for the Saints, and now is is going to miss two massive chunks of two different seasons for for the Baltimore Ravens because of injury. Um, but a- even after he went out, he held up pretty well. Um, I thought our Darius Washington was okay in the secondary. Ronald Darby as well. A lot of Brandon Stevens. You look in the the thing. He had twelve tackles because he was getting a lot of balls thrown his way, which you know you don't love to see. But hopefully Marlon uh, Humphrey coming back soon will help with that. Um, yeah, I thought you know I thought Ajabo was impressive. Obviously getting the the sack was was huge um, and good to see because the man on the other side, Adafi Owe, I am officially. Uh, gifting the award of the Matt Judon Award for the nearly theirs. The oh, the amount of times that Odafe Owe was just nearly there, and you could count it as a pressure. And those guys in PFF and what have you are going to say, really good pressure rate from Odafe Owe because he was so close to getting to that guy, except the quarterback got to throw the ball still and probably completed the pass. So the Matt Judon Award for nearly theirs goes to Odafe Owe, um, you know, just a little bit faster, bud. A little bit faster. I, same with Jadavion Clowney. Um, a couple a couple missed tackles. You know, obviously the sack you mentioned was frustrating to see. But my God, Roquan Smith is the best player on this football team. It's not even close. It's not even close. It's not close. I, I, I will not hear an argument for any other player on this football team, including the quarterback. Roquan Smith, it's shades of Ray, man. He is everywhere on the field, finishes with 16 tackles, the record for a Raven in week one. Him and Patrick Queen are the first pair of defensive players in Ravens history with 10-plus tackles and a sack each uh, in a game. Side to side, up the middle, over the top, in the backfield, what have you, Roquan Smith was there. He was making every single play for this Ravens defense, and... Screw these like ratings of like oh, p- positional importance and uh, an off-ball linebacker. I don't know. A man who can tackle every single ball carrier that is within, I don't know, 
10 to 15 feet of him at a moment's notice is a guy that I want on my football team, and that's Roquan Smith. He's – I I can't – I shouldn't say this because there, you know, there would be heresy and, and slander, I should say, to like the likes of Ed Reed. There's not a player in the NFL right now I like watching more than I like watching Roquan Smith play defense. So there, there it is. There are your two positives, Antonio. You did it. Very good job. Zay Flowers was electric. He's already the best receiver on this team. And Roquan Smith, I mean, I know there's your Fred Warners out there, and Fred Warner is fantastic too. Don't get me wrong. But the fact that the Ravens pulled this trade off and got this guy in purple and black and then was like, yep, don't worry, we're giving him the deal too. So I get to watch five more seasons of Roquan Smith play in the middle of this team and just rack up tackles. He's going to have like 300 tackles this year. I I don't even know how that works out math-wise, but we're just going with it. 300 tackles for Roquan Smith this season in a Ravens uniform. He is – he's just so good, Antonio. I have nothing else to say that's constructive. It's just I just want to gush about how good he is and how much I love watching him play. Traded for a second-round pick, Tim. Uh, a second-round pick? A second-rounder. Uh, I'm going to agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. He – you know what I enjoy with the Ravens' defense is when it's third and one, fourth and one, and it's an obvious running situation or maybe the offense's formation looks like it's an obvious running play – he just stuffs it up. It, it, it's over. He just stuffs it up and drive ends or it's a turnover on downs. And he's they showed a highlight. I, I don't remember which play it was, but they kind of went back to it and um, specifically pointed him out and how he snuffed the play out and just made it go the, another direction and then it was tackled by somebody else. He does that dozens of times a game. He's not going to ta- make the tackle every single time, but he's on every single play. Speed, tackling... Um, ability to understand what's happening in every play. And we traded a second-round draft pick for him, and he's going to be there for years to come. Um, Elsewhere, talking intangibles, uh, Tim, talking about rust is the penalty situation. Now, this has been a Ravens hallmark, really, with Harbaugh, with Brian Billick. They love penalties. They can't get enough of them. They had too many of them by their own standards uh, in this game, offensively, defensively, special teams, whatever. Uh, It was a perfect omen that on the opening kickoff of this football game, the Ravens had a penalty uh, on the the return. Matabuka had three, I think, in this game. I think he had maybe 40 yards in penalties. We can't have that, uh, even though Matabuka had a good game overall, but has to get cleaned up. and I'm not holding my breath because it, it happens off and on with this team um, every single year. Justin Tucker was Justin Tucker. Stout was, dare I say, Stout. Uh, there were some you know some whispers about him needing to have a better season than his rookie year as a you know relatively high draft pick for a punter. He was great uh, all game. Um, and then I wanted to talk a little bit about the Texans uh, and their head, head coach making some rookie decisions, but let's talk first about the intangibles. Um, first of all, can we not fix the penalties, because that's never going away? Can we mitigate this? Can this get fixed? Was this a week one thing, or is this a just, yep, they're going to be... What, was it 15 penalties? A dozen penalties? It was a lot um, against a bad team. This does concern me, is penalties against a bad team. Can they fix this, or are we going to be... Uh, adding gray hairs week in, week out. 
Uh, adding gray hairs. It ended up 13 for 106. Uh, the Texans had nine for 88 as well. Sloppy, sloppy football. I can't remember the exact play. But there was one on like a third and long, too, that just absolutely continued to drive. And it was horrendous, boneheaded plays. Um, this is a larger conversation that we've had about uh, Harbaugh and kind of hearing the same voice over and over again. And, you know, it can be... It can be the best coach in the world, but at some point if the message gets stale, and maybe that's kind of one of the things here. It's a larger conversation for a day when the Ravens are not 1-0. Trying to be positive. Look at me. Um, but, you know, you can't have 13. Like, we, we got to cap that at, like, what, 8? Like, that, and that even that is kind of high. Like, I, I, would, I, don't, I would love to pull, and I don't have it here, unfortunately, but pull, like, what NFL teams average in terms of penalties per game last year. Like, Eight is incredibly high, and the Ravens had five more than that. It has to be cleaned up. I'll just I'll go quickly with Stout. I think you make that's the point I wanted to hit on when we go to intangibles here. Um, he, you know, you said there is some talk. There was a lot of talk that the, the Ravens, he was inconsistent and and put them in some bad positions in terms of field position uh, last year as a rookie, as a fourth round pick, like a very very high draft pick for a punter. And this game. He had five punts, he averaged 50 yards a punt, and he put three of them inside the 20 with a long of 67, which might have been that first one when they he was in his own end zone and hit the thing to, like, the 25. It was the opposite 25, excuse me. An incredible punt. Um, and, you know, that's that's huge. For a team that's going to have some offensive struggles and is going to need to gulp, rely on its defense a little bit, if this is kind of the model for this team, at least early in the season – you're going to have to win some posi- uh, field position battles, and Jordan Stout did just that on on Sunday. So credit to him, and you know, hopefully it continues. Want to talk about uh, Texans head coach D'Amico Ryan's um, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. I understand uh, you're not going to figure it out week one. I thought he made several poor decisions. They had a fourth and one. On their first drive of their season, the first drive of their quarterback season, uh, on their own side of the ball, and I'm gonna I'm gonna old man it here, but think they just should have punted because if there's ever a game where you're actually playing field position, it's when you have a rookie quarterback going uh, against a good team in their stadium. So you're on your own 47. It's midfield, fourth and one. You had already punted. And there was a penalty, you know, shocker there, a penalty, so it made it fourth from fourth and six to fourth and one. I get it. People are going to disagree with me. Fourth and one, go for it at midfield. Great. Hated the play call. Uh, when your quarterback gets sacked and he loses 11 yards on fourth and one, probably a, a, a pretty bad play call. He, like, turned his back and then turned around right into Ravens pressure. Um and immediately his team was on the back foot when they didn't need to be, uh, giving the ball to the Ravens um, with excellent field position. Uh, they went for it again on another fourth down later on in this game, and I thought that that was the one of the plays that I was talking about with Roquan Smith. They just lined up like it was going to be a HB dive, you know, your, your favorite Madden call, and that's exactly what it was. And he lost yardage on that play. Then he made a challenge in the fourth quarter, um... And I, it, it like wasn't, it wasn't a big enough gain, and it wasn't in the right situation, and he lost a timeout that I thought he was gonna need, and the challenge wasn't wasn't um, overturned. Just kind of a rough, a rough start for uh, for a rookie 
coach, and I want him to do well. I liked him as a player. He seems like uh, a good, he was a great assistant coach, seems like he'll do okay, but tough when you go into a hostile environment week one um, and you make what I thought were, were some mistakes. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to go over in this game was just the full, the totality of pain, which is the final line on the injuries for this Ravens team after just one single football game. Um, J.K. Dobbins out for the season. Marcus Williams likely out for several months. And then we got Ronnie Stanley going down. We got Linderbaum going down. Andrews, who knows when he'll come back. This could be... I, I wouldn't be shocked if this ends up being a four-week muscle injury. Marlon Humphrey, we don't know exactly when he's coming back. Tim, it's your turn now. I'm sad. I'm sad because it took one game, and I already this team already feels like it's on on, a, on their back foot in terms of addressing injury situations at some of the most important positions on the field. Um, are these guys coming back? Is Stanley coming back in less than six months? Is Linderbaum coming back? Uh, is there any semblance of the actual starting offense and defense for this team at some at some point in the near future, and, and how do they adjust to this? See, this is where we need Jace, um, because this, is, this would be the ultimate what's bothering Jace, would be the daily updates from Harbaugh that tell you nothing while these guys sit out for six weeks. Um, which would definitely be it. When every other like coach would kind of be like, well, look, he's got this chance for Sunday. Harbaugh just gives some mysterious answer that is more frustrating than anything else. Um, you know, based on kind of the conversations Monday and Harbaugh's press conference on Monday, it kind of it kind of reads like this, and I'll pull it right from uh, you know the trusted Jeff Zarebeck of the Athletic as he lists them out. J.K. Dobbins, Achilles out for the year. Uh, t- Mark Andrews, quad chance for Sunday. Marlon Humphrey, foot chance for Sunday. Um, Tyus Bowser, remember, an important part of this defense. Not until week five. He's on IR with a knee. Tyler Linderbaum and Ronnie Stanley. Linderbaum an ankle, a knee for Ronnie Stanley. Both apparently week to week, but kind of hinted that it wouldn't be Sunday, according to Harbaugh. And God bless these Ravens beat reporters who basically have to mind read John Harbaugh because he won't say anything. So it looks like two two offensive line starters down when we go into a desperate Bengals team needing a win. So that's super fun. Um, and then Marcus Williams torn Peck out for a while um, as well. So I think Marlon Humphrey and I'm optimistic that Marlon Humphrey and Mark Andrews are back sooner rather than later. I am praying and hoping with all my might that it's the same for the two offensive linemen. The, t- the two best offensive linemen, by the way, on this team. And I think... You highlighted the positions, but I, for me, it's not even just the positions. It's the players missing. Like, even just look at who is being paid what. Some of the highest paid players on this team are Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley, and Mark Andrews. Tyler Linderbaum, if he pans out to what we think he is, will be one of those guys after his rookie deal. They will pay the center that they absolutely love um, to, to stay with this football team. I can guarantee you that. These are key cornerstones of this team that for the last two years we have been fighting the same injury bug over and over and over again and this was finally our year to break away from it and it emerges in week one um it's just it's debilitating it makes you sad like it it takes so much juice out of wanting to like wake up on the sunday and watch the team play knowing that they're going to be missing these guys and 
your original question is, are they going to be back anytime soon? I don't know, Antonio. I have no idea because John Arbaugh's our coach. But I will say I lean towards yes with Marlon Humphrey and, and Mark Andrews. I am hopeful Linderbaum and Stanley would – but don't rush them back. Remember what happened with Ronnie Stanley. Da-da-da. And then who knows about everybody else? We'll just have to see. Outside of JK, who obviously, as we've, we've mentioned, is, is missing the year. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun – yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, so that's going to do it for this game. The oh. Ravens, 16-point victory at home, and it's one of the hollowest Week ones in the history of the franchise, uh, you know, with just a little bit of hyperbole there. Let's turn to the rest of the NFL. We're just going to touch on maybe some games that we watched or some things that we uh, enjoyed or found interesting, and I'll kick it off. And it's, it, let me check my notes here, it's ha 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 Steelers who get blown out at home. The 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 media darling Pittsburgh Steelers, um, projected by some to win the AFC North projected by others to go deep into the postseason, projected by me to finish third uh, in the AFC North. It's one game. It's one week. The Steelers did not look great. They did not look up to the task of playing one of the best teams in the NFL. Um, I obviously want to rag on the Steelers as much as possible here. I honestly think this was mostly just the 49ers being really, really good and really talented and Purdy picking up exactly where he left off last year, looking like Joe Montana. But Pickett did look shaky uh, for his you know, first start of the season. He, well, again, one of those guys that looked amazing uh, all offseason, training camp, mini camp, all that stuff. Did not look good uh, at home in, in his first start. A lot of balls sailing, getting away from him, some bad decisions. Uh, and I would love the Steelers to be this bad all year. Probably not going to happen, but... Uh, I very much enjoyed them getting blown out and being down 20 to nothing at home uh, in the first half of week one. Yeah, I'm just going to jump in on this one real quick. It was it was absolutely incredible. I was not buying this Steelers hype. Now, will they go 9-8? and eight? Yeah, because it's Mike Tomlin and they will always go 9-8. and eight. But some very serious people in the, in the sports media world were picking them to like finish as the one seed and as a lock as the AFC North division winner. And, oh, yeah, the preseason, although I do think sometimes maybe we should play in it a little bit, especially when you have a new offense and new pieces and what have you, as Antonio so astutely put, the preseason doesn't matter. And Kenny Pickett playing against second-team defensive players and tearing it up doesn't matter. Kenny Pickett was bad. Bad, 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 bad. One thing that nobody mentioned in all of this hype for the Pittsburgh Steelers was they still have Matt Canada. Matt Canada is still the offensive coordinator. You know, the guy that they all hated last year. He's still there. He's still there. And it was the same old Matt Canada. It was like us shouting at Greg Roman for two, two three, four years, whatever it was. Um, I, I, Antonio, I agree with you. It was hilarious. When we get to the gambling section, I on when we record this show on Monday evenings, I took Niners minus two and a half. I couldn't believe it was only two and a half. And all week long, all I heard was Steelers plus two and a half is the bet of the week. 
Steelers plus two and a half. Mike Tomlin at home. Opener gets all that time to prep. Have you seen the preseason? Have you watched Kenny Pickett? That guy's Terry Bradshaw. Have you seen? Oh, Steelers, Steelers, Steelers. And then the Niners opened up a can of whoop ass. And that was pretty much it for uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I loved it as well. I will say, as a nervous Ravens fan, I am not liking all the discourse that everybody was like overreaction Monday, basically, of, oh, maybe they're actually bad. No, I don't think they're bad. And they're going to get a big win and everybody's going to, you know, get really, really excited again. But for this opening week, it was incredible to see uh, them just kind of to blow it in, in every way, shape and form. The Steelers home again this week, playing Monday night, hosting the Browns. As home underdogs now, uh, Steelers plus one and a half against the Browns. Just obviously, well, obviously, I'm staying away from that game, gambling-wise, because I literally have no idea what will happen. But if the Browns also go into Pittsburgh and win and the Steelers are 0-2, that's going to be a bit more information uh, about how this team is going to look, in my opinion. But elsewhere, um, boy, poor, poor Chicago, poor Bears. You win three football games, you draft some players high, you get some positivity about your team being good. They're not good. They're still not good. They're still one season removed from being a three-win football team. They get smoked at home by the Green Bay Packers. Uh, And then the Eagles. I had to watch every minute of Eagles at Pats. They were one of my picks last week. I had the Eagles at minus three and a half. And I was convinced for the entirety of the second half of that football game that the Patriots were going to come back. Um, The Eagles tried to give it away several times. Um, The classic fourth quarter fumble when all you need to do is get a first down or two and the game's over by Jalen Hurts. A questionable, again, I'm just turning slowly into an old man uh, on on this pod, but Eagles going for it on fourth down late in that game, trying to ice it. Uh, and throwing a very covered slant. I, I didn't like that decision either, giving the Pats one more chance to try to drive down um, a game that looked like was going to be a blowout in the first quarter. Um, became became stressful, but Eagles still hang on. Pats 0-1, uh, and the schedule does not get easier for them uh, as we go further further through the season. Um, Tim, what did you see uh, across the NFL that, that got your attention? Yeah, the Eagles one was interesting, right? Like, I think the... The Pats are another team where, you know, you've mentioned it on this podcast of, like, just don't see it. I don't see this, like, some sort of hype that people have for this team. Um, But that Eagles Super Bowl loser hangover, I think, could be a bit of a worry. I'll say this, and maybe it's because I had all the juice for the early slate and by the afternoon slate, you know. You have the people over, everybody kind of leaves, you're cleaning up, what what have you. You're, you're not as pay, paying attention as much, and I know the later slate was better, and I obviously still watched everything uh, with, the, with the setup, but the opening week kind of sucked. It just kind of sucked. Like, the, the early games were, you know, they, they would go to Scott Hansen, and he would go to, like, the Octobox, and everything was, like, 7-6. They're just like, meanwhile, watching the Ravens just lay an egg in a, in a I know, in a big win, whatever. Um, it, overall, just was kind of a bleh weekend. And maybe some of that is just the taste of the Ravens and the injuries and what have you. Um, a couple other notes here. And I will admit, as someone who has a, a job that starts very early in the morning, I only watched the first half of that, the, the, the half of this, excuse me. But is Dallas elite? 
Is Dallas one of the like top teams in the National Football League? I think I think there's a case, at least for this week one, you know, everybody talks about the AFC's great, the AFC's great, the AFC's great, and I don't disagree from a depth point of view. The AFC is stacked. But Dallas and San Francisco, man, they might be a touch above, and it's not even the Dallas offense. Everybody wants to talk about Dak, and everyone wants to talk about Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb, what have you. It's that defense, man. That Dallas defense is scary, and they've got guys on every single level, and I think that they could be a force through the rest of this year. A um, couple more here. Chargers going to Charger. My God, did the Chargers Charger all over themselves. Just Charger everywhere. So much charge happening. The Dolphins get a 36-34 win. Uh, Tua <laughs> passes for 466 yards. Tyreek Hill was a menace. 11 receptions, uh, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. That is something that, you know, it, it's the big question. I'm stating the obvious here. Tua stays healthy. Vic Fangio running that defense. I don't know if we're taking the Dolphins seriously enough as that team that we kind of consider in the upper echelon of the AFC. And I think a lot of that hinges on Tua staying healthy, which I think is is interesting. Um, the Raiders, for me. Raiders, one point win over the Broncos. I thought, I, you know, I came on here when we did our over-unders. I had a Raiders under. Josh McDaniels still being the coach of that team surprises me. I know they have some some guys, but I just think that I, I, there was a case for the Raiders to be the worst team in the NFL for me. Um, and they did not show that on, on Sunday, getting the, the win over the Broncos. Only a one-point win, but I thought Jimmy G looked good. There might be a little more juice to the Raiders than, than we thought. We all knew, and I was so scared to take it because it was the Cardinals. And I feel stupid not doing it. The Commanders should never be seven-point favorites to anybody anywhere. They get the win over the Cardinals, but it was not easy. Um, I think I believe it finished twenty to sixteen. I think was the final final result there in that game, and just a just an awful awful football game. Uh, we did you know locally here, uh, and uh, Antonio knows as well. The Fox game for most of the nation was Steelers Niners, which I would have loved a lot more watching the Niners just kick some Steelers. But we had to put the Cardinals Commanders on the second TV on the Fox TV because that's what they gave us and it was horrendous um and just i think the only other one this is just a fun one too i I agree with you i was all over the packers i think the packers are good i don't understand the packers and bears having the same win total to start the year i don't understand the packers not being in the conversation for the nfc north crown big win for them but you already kind of touched on that if you haven't seen this geno smith was all of us in one moment of the seahawks rams game and Look, a game where the Rams kind of proved that maybe they've got a little juice too. Matt Stafford doesn't want to go out on another loser. They've got some dudes that everybody in fantasy is going to be picking up now because one guy had like 10 catches and nobody's ever heard of him before. Um, And, you know, and the Seahawks may be falling back down to earth a a little bit after a pretty, pretty fantastic year last year. But if you didn't see this clip, all I need you to do is type in Geno Smith, oh my God. And you'll find it on YouTube. Basically what happens is Aaron Donald gets a free rush. And Geno Smith, in his infinite wisdom, just throws the ball away. Like, it's, he he's on his back foot and he kind of just, like, flicks his wrist and tries to get it down the middle of the field trying to find, like, a hot route type of guy. Something the Ravens could have used, by the way. Every time that they got zero blitzed, Lamar, like, held onto the ball way too long. So, but we're not talking about that game anymore. And Geno, audibly, it, it picks up. You just hear, oh, my God! Which is every single one of us if Aaron Donald had a free rush and was coming coming to take our soul. So just a fun little moment from an overall drab week one. 
I'd say I would say significantly worse things yes, than probably. than that if if I if I saw that guy coming at me. But um, amazing, yeah, an amazing Mike pickup uh, for the perfect situation in the NFL. Um, yeah, Dallas looks looks pretty good to me. Um, yeah, I, you know, we'll just wait because they're they're a playoff they're a playoff team. My, my brother in law is a big Cowboys fan, and he's. Uh, He's seen it too many times, so he's right. not going to get fooled. So he, he's excited about their uh, round one playoff loss, wherever it may be. But they're going to win some regular season games. You know, they're going to be a good, big, big, a good football team. Um, I I loved how all over you were the Commanders not being shouldn't should not be a seven point favorite to everyone. Um, one of the worst quarterback fumble recovery uh, uh. touchdowns uh, that I've seen in a while. That the commanders gave up, but um, pulling out a win at home, so so that's fine. Uh, and yeah, the Dolphins will be they will be scary every week that Tua is actually a healthy starting quarterback for them. And after one week, I have you know no more or less reservations that he is not going to make it through an entire NFL football season. So um, we will see how that goes as we as we continue the season. Um, but with that, Tim, let's get back to the Ravens because let's talk week two. Yeah. Yes, the Ravens do have to play another football game and they get to travel to Cincinnati for their road opener uh, as three-point underdogs to the Cincinnati Bengals. Tim, I mean, I don't want to say it's the perfect storm, but it's the perfect storm. Uh, if Jace were here, this is his favorite thing to think means a lot and it's the Bengals coming off a terrible week one Going home, better weather. Burrow's got all the rust off. He's got all this, you know, soreness from his calf or his Achilles or whatever. That's gone now. The Ravens come in hobbled. They're coming off a win. They looked rusty. They got to play in Cincinnati. Uh, I'm scared, Tim. I'm I'm very very scared. Let's start offensively for Baltimore against this Bengals defense. Obviously, the Ravens cannot afford to take one half off against this team offensively can they start faster let's do some practical questions here can they start faster can they start smoother is that rust off enough to where when they get on that first drive they aren't having false starts they aren't having guys lined up incorrectly they aren't having Lamar look around and try to move somebody to the other side of the field can they just run the offense and get some sustained drives uh, and try to turn those into points I think you're encouraged by the second half, right? Um, and yeah, I th- I'll put it this way. I think they can. I think they can. I know they have to. Like, I, I, I think they have the capability of doing it. I know if they have any shot of winning this game or, or even staying competitive, they have to. And, you know, a, 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 crowd, a Cincinnati crowd that's going to be hot, like they're going to be ready and raring to go in this game. They know that their team needs them. They know that they need this win. You know what shuts them up really quickly is two touchdown drives in the first quarter or something like that, or or 10 points in the first quarter, looking solid. Figuring out different plans to to stifle defensive attacks, and and when I say that, I kind of referenced it as we were going over the NFL recap. Another thing, because it kind of, you know, jogged my memory a little bit, Every time the Ravens got blitzed and it was like an extra man, you know, where it was a free blitzer, basically, 
There was no hot route option. There was no dump off option. There was no security blanket. And I'm not even talking Mark Andrews. I'm just talking recognizing that eight guys are coming because there's eight guys on the line and they all look like they want to kill the quarterback. And Lamar sits on the ball. I think there's going to be a a lot of lessons this week leading up to this game of like, look, if they're coming, hit that, just get it out. Get it out to that guy. Hit that guy. Like, let's let's learn from what we did and not just compound the mistakes. And for me, yeah, I I think they can. I'll just end it with that. I think they can, but I know they have to. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I have concerns uh, on the offensive line, I think, with Stanley out, I think, and Linderbaum out, I think. The running game is, is going to struggle and the pass protection is going to struggle and Lamar Jackson will make mistakes because he's getting constant pressure and has three guys in his face. But we will see. See, I was a little flip-flop from the two of us there. Uh, I am concerned about what the Ravens can do offensively uh, in this game. Defensively, uh, might it be a different story? Ravens defense against the Bengals offense. There is a, a great piece that Bill Barnwell put out uh, on ESPN where he talked about how the Cleveland Browns were able to handle Joe Burrow. And what they did was often, or he said every play, almost every play, lining up with uh, a one defensive look and then having a late shift right before the snap into something else, doing that over and over and over again with specific designed defenses with man-to-man and then some zone play uh, in the middle of the field designed to force Joe Burrow to throw the ball to the sidelines where he really, really struggled. We have one week of tape this season for the Ravens to look at to, to make their defensive game plan against the Bengals offense will they try to duplicate that will it work two weeks in a row there was terrible weather apparently in that week one game for the Bengals Um, not sure what it will be uh, yet for for this week two game but can the Ravens do some of that same stuff and if they choose to do that will it actually work uh, against Joe Burrow two weeks in a row Tim or are you concerned that he's just going to pick pick and choose uh with this current raven secondary yeah the the latter probably um joe burrow famously has torn up the the raven secondary when especially when it's depleted and there's a chance that marcus williams and marlon humphrey won't be in this game against t higgins and jamar chase um and and other options as well so Burrow's one of those guys that has, and look, he's obviously, he uh, he's coming off an injury himself and clearly looked it, you know, and really not participating in training camp all year, but he's another chip on the shoulder dude that knows when he needs to adjust. You know, last year, they were even talking about this whole narrative in the last offseason was, well, we're, a lot of defenses are going to play, you know, two safeties way back, essentially, to put it in very layman's terms, and you're going to have to dink and dunk them down the field basically trying to mitigate big plays from the teams like the Chiefs and the Bengals. Joe Burrow in in that offseason was essentially like, yeah, we know we need to do that. We're working on it. And they started off incredibly slowly and ended up getting to the they, I think they started 0 and 2 actually. Ended up getting to the point where obviously they made it all the way back to uh to a deep postseason run. And so I think that they know how to adjust and they know how to fix things um that aren't working. So yeah, could is Mike McDonald a very smart defensive coordinator and try and 
change things up to to disguise things and and confuse Burrow, sure. But is Burrow going to be ready for it? Absolutely. I I am incredibly worried about this Ravens defense going up against the revenge tour Bengals offense, uh, especially that they're hobbled. Yeah. 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 Let's get to the picks, Tim. Uh, unless you have, I mean, I guess in your, in your selection, if you want to go over intangibles, there's not much to say. Tucker's going to be good. The Ravens are going to commit penalties. Let's see what Stout does week two. How does uh, Zay, how does Zay, like, now that they know he's the main man, how does he respond to that, I think is another point, too. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and then it's health. Who plays and who doesn't play? Uh, I think none of them play is is how I've kind of closed on this. I, in reality, I think either Andrews or Humphrey, one of them should be playing in this game That with both of them being kind of close to ready to go. I, I don't think any of them play. I think both are out. I think both linemen are out, and then obviously the other two guys with, with long-term injuries. And I think the Ravens' defense, the secondary struggles to get off the field, uh, one too many times. I don't think it's a blowout, but... I think the offensive line is going to struggle. The running game for the Ravens is going to struggle. Uh, the passing game is not quite well-oiled enough to to save this team in a tough road game. And the Bengals receivers will give this secondary trouble. Uh, I have it as a 23-17 to win for Cincinnati. Um, just close enough to make it extra annoying. Uh, but the Bengals as a minus three, it's a it's a well, as for, as a gambler, it, it's a tasty line uh, to me. Had the Bengals done anything at all in their week one game, I think this line would be a little bit different. But because they look so bad, um, it's only three for Cincinnati uh, in a situation where I think they're going to play significantly better. So uh, I'm taking the Bengals there. And then Tim, why don't we get your your Ravens pick before we do uh, the rest of our gambling section? Yeah, I. I'm with you on Bengals minus three. Everything you said, you know, I'm not going to belabor the point. I think the point I am going to belabor is the one that you made at the very start of this preview. The Bengals need this game. The Bengals have heard the Bengals start slow. We start slow. They just got, you know, taken to the cleaners by a division slash state rival. One that I believe is like six and one in the last seven against Cincinnati as well. They're, They're not feeling great about what they just overcame or what they had just had to deal with. Excuse me. But. They're desperate. They need it. They cannot go 0-2, much less 0-2 in the division, mind you, in a division that is very, very tough. It's their first home game. Their guys aren't nearly as banged up as the Ravens are. Everything you pointed to as well. Joe Burrow. I just... I, as much as I you tried to say, like, oh, the second half for the Ravens offense was good, I don't have any faith in that unit as of right now. Bengals minus three for me, unfortunately. And I hate it. I hate it. I hope I'm wrong. Let's get to our other picks. Uh, I went two and <clears throat> two and one last week, Tim. I got the Ravens pick right. I got the Pats uh, loss to the Eagles right. And then I had my tees, uh, and two of the three covered. And the one that did not cover was the Chiefs, who, when I went on the pod and made the pick, were six-point favorites. It might have even, I think it might have been six and a half, actually. We stopped recording, we woke up the next day, and Travis Kelsey was hurt, and that line moved to minus four and a half. So, I'm just saying, 
that the minus four and a half in a six point tease, you would have actually covered. It would have been Lions minus one and a half, and they ended up winning by one point. So you would have had that teaser if you actually listened to the podcast, saw the Kelsey news, and then made your bets. But I'm not I'm not gonna complain about that, Tim. I'm two and one to start the season. I'm definitely not three and oh to start the season. I'm two and one. This week it's Bengals minus three, and then my other two picks. Uh and I'm going to say this now very loudly. I hate betting week twos. Every year, I love betting week one. I hate betting week two because I think the lines are all messed up from one week of seeing what teams can do. And then there's so many teams that a month from now, we're going to look back at their week one performance and it's not going to make any sense. Mm-hmm. So I tell you to you know take, take these next picks with... Uh, with so much salt. Last week I talked all about the cheese um, with the with the Eagles Patriots game. This week it's all about salt. You dump grains of salt on these picks before you uh, you make them with me. But the first one I'm going for with is Packers minus one at the Atlanta Falcons. Both of these teams had big wins against bad teams. So which team do you go for? I'm going with the more solid defense, the team that has more depth. And the quarterback who played very, very well on the road. Not the team with Desmond Ritter. Give me Packers minus one at Atlanta. I'm not afraid of that game on the road. I think the Packers keep it rolling. And I think the Falcons are a mediocre team that played well against a bad team in Carolina. And then my final pick. And I can't... Tim, you may need to like put the, the headphones down for this one and just not listen. Kind of walk away for a few minutes. It's the Baker Mayfield-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I can't believe I'm even saying it out loud. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Chicago Bears. A bad football team that won three games last year and looked worse than that in their first game at home with this reborn team still terrible. And they now have to travel to Tampa the Bucks have their home opener. They're 1-0 after a win in Minnesota where Baker Mayfield played pretty well. Throwing the ball to the likes of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. The defense for Tampa Bay, those guys are still there. Devin White, Levante David, Antoine Winfield Jr., Carlton Davis III, Jameel Dean, Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea. They're all there. They're all healthy. This line makes no sense. This line should be four and a half. Why is it less than a field goal? These Bears have shown us nothing. Let me say that again. They have shown us nothing. I'm taking Bucks minus two and a half. I cannot believe this is less than a field goal. Uh, and again, get some extra, get the kosher salt out, you know, get whatever you need. Be very, very afraid of week two, but those are my three picks this week. I love it. I love it. Um, so I went 3-0 and last week. Um, Ravens, Niners, Packers, feeling pretty good about that. We have the Bengals minus three. I love your Packers bet, by the way. I absolutely love it. I think I'm, you know, in, in my personal life might be on that one, uh, this weekend for sure. Um, if I can get it at the minus one there, I love that. And guess what? I think maybe for the first time in history, because I think I finally understand them after four years here. And maybe I don't, maybe Antonio is going to be like, we have to cut this part because Tim still cannot wrap his head around it. I'm Timmy Teasers, baby. We're Let's doing go. A, we're doing a three-team tease, a seven-point tease here. I'm doing Eagles, and this is all um, just what I'm looking at in the sports book that I like to use. They don't need pub. They have plenty of money. 
Seven point tees here. Eagles, a pick them down from minus seven on Thursday night against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota definitely needs this one more, but I think Philly has something to prove after that Patriots game. And I think they want to come out and show that they're still the class of the NFC. So give me an Eagles pick them there. Um, the Niners are minus eight away to the LA Rams. So I'm going to put that one back down to minus one. So close to a pick them. Niners continue to roll against the Rams team that good win against Seattle, but you know, the Niners are just a class above. And, and by the way, Shanahan owns McVay. If you look at the records in these NFC West, People are talking about it today on Monday as we record. We should have seen the McVeigh record versus Pete Carroll. He owns Pete Carroll. The other way, Shanahan's record against the LA Rams and uh, Sean McVeigh is absolutely absurd. So give me the Niners minus one. And then this one I'm scared of because as we record, we haven't seen them play yet. It's the Bills. They're minus nine and a half at home to the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I'm going to knock that down, obviously, to minus two and a half with the seven point tees here. Basically a field goal win for the Bills. Who knows if the Bills need this after, you know, they could need it, they could not. You're, you're going to know the answer to that, listener, as you're listening to this. This is kind of what Antonio is talking about, though. Vegas got a one-point win over a Denver team that might be bad, and people are already back on, well, Vegas might be showing a little bit of life. This could be a game, I think, where they get knocked back down to earth with, again, Josh McDaniels as their coach. Jimmy Garoppolo, Max Crosby, Josh Jacobs, and not a whole lot. Like, we were singing the praises of Jacoby Myers after the the Raiders game here. So just a, a seven-point tease here. Eagles, pick them. Uh, Niners, minus one. Bills, minus two and a half. Tim, welcome, first of all. Uh, welcome to the tease, the tease game, the tease life. I, I'm going to say one little thing here. You you're, you are right with how you <laughs> with how you did this, first of all. Um, but I want to go over okay. pricing a little bit. Uh, a standard three-team tease is six points, and the money on that is you bet 100 and you win 160. So with it being a seven-point tease, you're going to lose a little bit of that value. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's probably like maybe bet 100 and win like 120. I, I want to say it's probably in there. So something to keep in mind. But I love all three of these, uh, and I love that you have the Bills at – under a field goal. I see what you did there with the seven points to get them at under a field goal. I don't know how these three games don't finish the way that you have them. So yeah, um, that's what I'm scared of. <laughs> might need to. <laughs> it's week. T- we love week two. Uh, might need to make some phone calls uh, after we after we get off this and maybe watch the Bills and, and see what they have to do. Even if they win uh, against the Jets, as long as it's not just an absolute blowout. I don't know how much that line. Would maybe half a point or a point or something like that, but um, well, certainly I think you'd be more comfortable with Buffalo uh, in that game against Vegas if they play well against the Jets. But anyway, uh, I love Tim's picks. I love that he's joined the the tease life, and we will see how these all go. No picks from Jace. We couldn't get any of them. Uh, I would love to have known his Ravens pick. I might, we might have to talk next week about what he what he would have put down for this game. I'm going to go ahead and predict that he has the Bengals minus three, but. We will see Jace next week. Tim, anything else uh, as we wrap this up? I, I you know, I, I think I started to feel worse by the end of the episode. I got some, a few nice things uh, out of you, so a few positive comments, but it's a long season. We got a long way to go. The Ravens are one to know. Anything else before we uh, wrap up here? Just one small programming note for the listeners. I feel like they should know and not panic. Next week's episode will be coming out on Tuesday, as usual. 
It probably will be a little bit later than the typical midnight Eastern time release on Tuesday. Actually, I can guarantee you it will be a little <laughs> bit later than the midnight Eastern time release. Um, I am I am away this weekend, so it'll be just a two-man booth for Antonio and Jace. And then uh, I, I am back on late, late Monday evening. So when I wake up on Tuesday morning, I will rush. The first thing I will do is put the episode together and send it out to you loyal listeners. You might have to wait just a little bit. Just a little bit. You might not have it with your morning coffee. You might have it with lunch. But um, the Podlick Raven will be there for you on Tuesday. It will just be just a touch later um, because of some traveling issues. Yeah, a, a very good point. But we're going to bring it to you every week, uh, just like we, we will do for the entirety of the season. For Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera, struggling to get through a solemn Pod Like a Raven episode. Thank you for listening. The season is long. The goals are still there. The dream is alive. We will see you next week.